This scripture is from Matthew 26, chapters 6 through 13. Um, And it says, When Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot and the money handed out to the poor. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anoint me for burial. You can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. So our big question today is, will the poor always be with us? And uh, hey, welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and I have a couple special guests here with me today to help me explore that question, specifically through the lens of food insecurity. Alex Ward and Hillary Cross uh, from Love Packs, the Louisville chapter of Love Packs, are here with us today to, to talk about this question. Will the poor always be with us? And uh, Alex and Hillary, I am so happy that y'all are here and that you're willing to have this conversation. Um, could you give us a little overview of who Love Packs is and what your role is with this amazing organization that we partner with? Love Packs, we're the, the local chapter that we serve, the Louisville area. Um, and uh It's pretty simple. We are a nonprofit that feeds students on their school holidays, and we're feeding students who normally would get their breakfast, lunch, and snacks at school. So you've got your three-day weekends, Thanksgiving, Christmas, spring break, and normally when those students are at school, food's provided schools out. And for some of these kids, they don't know where the next meal is coming from. Do you have a certain reaction to the phrase, the poor will always be with us? Yeah, I mean, so when I was growing up and I would hear this text, um, I guess to me, what I had always taken from it is um, Jesus was identifying what was at the heart of the issue. Um, And so he saw that this woman came with a heart devoted to him um, and that she wanted to do something uh, out of that devotion and overflowing love she felt for him. And this was her way of honoring him. Uh, it was something that the spirit had prompted her to do. And so that's what she did. And in that moment, that was the right choice. See, and when I was reading this scripture and I was thinking about love packs and I was, you know, one of our, our core values at this church is biblical relevance. And so what we're trying to do is take Bible stories and say, what does that mean for us today? How does that apply to the way that we work in the world today? And so when I was thinking through this scripture, I was like, you know, that's almost like, um, someone choosing to serve love packs by, um, providing our two co-leads here with a gift basket and say, we love you. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for all of the work that you do in the community. And somebody else pointing a finger at them and saying, why did you buy them a gift bag 
when you could have used that money to support the cause that they're trying to advance. So that's the the mm. idea behind this is like pointing a finger and us not wanting to examine ourselves and not wanting to examine our hearts. And do we have a heart of service? Do we have a heart of love and giving and compassion uh, for all people? And so it, it does, it, Hillary kind of goes to what you're saying of like, where's your heart? Is it a heart of service? Is it a heart of love? Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy 15, because of course, Jesus was a Jewish man and he was very familiar uh, with the Hebrew Bible. And so what he was actually quoting was a verse that said the exact opposite, that the poor need not be with you. And in Deuteronomy 15, chapter 10, it says, give liberally and unbegrudgingly when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. And then it goes on to say, uh, if you do this, the poor don't need to be with you. Yes, you will see need. Open up your hearts, open up your minds and, and help those in need. And so I just want to go ahead and answer the question and say, no, the poor need not always be with us. <laughs> and now that we've answered that question, <laughs> I'd love to talk about um, specifically childhood hunger and food insecurity and some of the the good work that y'all are doing locally. I, I just like to hear from each of you, how did you establish this passion for childhood hunger and why did you choose to start working with Love Packs? Um, well, I was reflecting on, on that question and um, it came from me for two reasons. Um, Although we as a family have always been able to feed our kids, one of them actually had a digestive issue, which basically meant he didn't thrive. Um, and so we saw how that impacts him, it impacted his day-to-day -day living, it impacted what could be his future, um, it impacted his teachers and his classmates as well. One of his teachers was constantly stressed by the fact that um, he had to leave school with migraines and this was a kid who never liked to miss school. Mm. Uh, so we knew his potential, but we also saw how hunger essentially was impacting him. Um, thankfully for us, um, we were able to, and prayerfully actually, because um, we, we, I'm part of Mums in Prayer and um, that group, we were praying for his situation and it was a chance encounter. I met a dietitian and she pretty much said, this is what I think your son has. Mm. And um, we had to go through a few medical costs to get to that point, but sure enough, he did. And literally from the day that was fixed, he grew a foot in height. Oh my and um, he, you know, his school got back on, on track um, and he really did thrive. So we've seen how, how essentially hunger can literally impact a child. So from that, that was, that was one aspect that we, we saw in our own lives. Um, and then during the pandemic for me, I'm an introvert. And so during lockdown in particular, I was more than happy mm -hmm. to sit in my backyard and watch the birds and, 
um, and listen to the peace and the quiet. But I also knew it was very easy to know that many people were were hurting and um, that where we had privilege and money behind us, there were many families that that was not going to be the case. Um, and so um, knowing a little bit about Love Packs and finding out what Love Packs was doing on a weekly basis in the area, um, when the opportunity arose for me to be able to um, get more involved on a hands-on basis, then that was that was where I was more than happy to, to get involved um, mm. to help um, mm. children in a similar but different situation. So amazing just the ability to be able so first of all that experience with your own child um where it was a medical issue but mm. to get to see the impact on growth and development mm -hmm. that hunger has and realizing in a moment of change you could snap out of it mm -hmm. and not everybody else is afforded that opportunity yes. and um to think of all of the kids whose intellectual, physical growth is stunted mm. for something that's so easily solved by us in an affluent community where our pantries are overflowing. Um, it, it really hits hard. And I'm, it, it's, I wish that that had, that medical issue had not happened to your child, but what a blessing for you to get to learn and see that mm. and experience that and that inform the good work that you're doing. That's incredible. Yes. And it, it's like, um, it does make you think that um, as a parent, when you see that you, you, you are stuck for solutions and other parents are in that situation as well. We've had um, stories of, um, I'll probably be slightly misquoting the story and Hillary can cor correct me, but we do know of a mother who wasn't going to make, it was a choice between rent and feeding her children. And this is the thing, families are facing a sudden change in situation and there's those fixed costs that they have to um, fulfill. If they don't pay their rent, then they're, they're going to be um, evicted. They're going to be homeless. And and food so often is that moving, um, like, where, where do we go? We, we, we can keep reducing it. And the parents themselves, often, that's where the reduction can happen, that the parents who are working and trying to provide for their family, the first thing they will do is they'll go without. Mm. But obviously, then that has knock-on effects in many ways for families as well. Uh, and so food just keeps being the the area that um, reduces in quality or in quantity um, because there are other costs that a family who is in a temporary bind suddenly has to 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 meet mm -hmm. so and it can snowball so it, easily exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah all right Hillary where did your passions begin um well I, I do have to start by saying that um, I am grateful. I, I grew up in a home where I always had what I needed. So I never lacked for anything. But um, my mom actually grew up in a situation where uh, my grandfather was not always able to provide to the extent um, that most families would like to be able to provide. And so I grew up hearing those stories and being mindful and um, reminded when I wasn't being mindful <laughs> of the fact that I was growing up in a very blessed situation. Um, 
And then um, you fast forward to when Love Packs first began, the first chapter uh, was started in the colony, actually. It's what we now call our LISD East chapter. LISD is such a huge district that we actually need two chapters to cover it. And it was actually started by um, a small group from the church that I attend, and it was uh, made up by a number of my friends. And so when they let me know that they were starting this project, um, they actually started it out of their walk-in attic. (laughs) When they first started, that's where it was. then it was a really easy thing for me to donate to. And I had small children at the time. And um, to me, it was a great, tangible, hands-on opportunity to get my kids involved in something. I could take them to the store and we could buy the food and we could pack it up. And I could explain to my kids and present them that same opportunity that my mom had presented with me, which is to recognize you are not going without but we need to be mindful of the fact that others do and that um, we're, we're blessed to be in a situation where we're not going without. Um, and it all went swimmingly for several years. That's what I did. And then um, one spring break, I uh, had the box and the plans to, to pack the food and go drop it off in the colony. And that was the year an ice storm hit right before spring break. And so instead, I contacted my friend and said, I don't want to drive the babies out to the colony on the ice. Is it too late if I bring it to you on, on Sunday at church? And she said no. But in the process, um, well, no, that wasn't too late. But in the process, I ended up asking questions about why um, they were only serving uh, the east side of LISD and why they only had drop-off locations in the colony. It seemed like they ought to have drop-off locations across LISD. And I knew there was a high need within Louisville itself. And why were we not serving the schools in Louisville as well? And she said, it's just too far of a drive. And so until somebody is willing to take on and become a chapter lead there in Louisville and start a Louisville chapter, we can't serve those students because it's just too far away. And that ended up being one of those situations where once you know something, you, you can't, can't unknow, unknow it. it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so as I, as I tell people when I tell this story, I'm like, be careful the questions you ask because <laughs> you may not like the answer. And so it was something that just never sat right with my husband and I after that. That the only the, the thing standing between the kids in Louisville and, and now Flower Mountain Highland Village getting the food that they need. Um and going hungry, was somebody willing to step up and say, okay, I'll organize that. Mm. And so we agreed to be the organizers for that. And so that's how we actually came on board um, as chapter leads in Louisville. And it started in our dining room um, because uh, my friends who were leading the LISD East chapter at the time said, you know, you don't have to commit to all of Louisville schools, you just start with a couple and you build up a base. And if all you ever want to do is just serve a couple, then you can do that. And you don't have to go beyond Louisville. You know, you can make Highland Village and Flower Mound its own chapter, wait till somebody's willing to lead that. Um, but um, obviously I'm, I'm very bad at saying no to things. <laughs> and so once word got out that um, we were doing this, we were grateful that we had uh, a great response from the community. And so we quickly grew a base that could help support more than one school. And then, of course, other schools started calling once they heard about it. And uh, so that's how we grew into all the Louisville schools. 
Um, but then we said Highland Village and Flower Mound needs to be its own chapter. Like this is a lot. And I think we're kind of tapped out with this, except my kids actually go to Flower Mound schools, like schools in Flower Mound. And so when your own child's school calls and says, hey, we've run into a problem and we've got kids that need help. Is there any way love packs can help? Mm-hmm. Then you end up doing Flower Mound and Highland Village schools as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, it grew. Um, so it wasn't... Um, it wasn't something we, we realized what we were stepping into when we stepped into it. It's it's grown on its own. And we've always said as long as God's willing to bring the volunteers and the resources to support it, then we'll keep doing it. And so far, that's continued to show up. And so we've continued uh, to do that. And so... Well, and I, I feel like a common thread between the two of you is exposure to needs outside of your own. Um Hillary, with your upbringing uh, and your mom having grown up in a food insecure house and and those um, values being passed on to you of like, hey, look around you, you know, just because we have food doesn't mean that everybody does. And uh, your experience with your son, Alex, um, it. I think that often in this community, we think of it as this um, unpenetrable uh, bubble of prosperity, where we can't imagine when we're uh, imagining people who are living in poverty, when we're imagining people who are struggling to pay the bills, we don't imagine our next door neighbor. We imagine people in over there. And we imagine a place that's miles and miles away from here because that would never happen here. And yet you're talking about this need that you found and this rallying in Louisville, Highland Village, Flower Mound of people who are in need of food. There are organizations like Love Packs, like Feeding America that are just so focused on solving this problem. Do you think that, um, things are getting better? Do you think that we are making a dent in eradicating hunger or are, is it, are there more complexities that we have to solve for here? I definitely think it's complex yeah. and I don't, I guess what to, to answer whether it's getting better, I think maybe it's hard to say. Um, I know that we're seeing an increase in the number of people right now who are saying, I'm working full time. I'm working two jobs. You know, I'm working full time plus an extra job. But rent's gone up. And right. Food costs have gone up and everything's gone up. And, and now even working full time with an extra job, they're still having trouble paying their bills um, and making ends meet. So I don't know that it's getting better per se. Um, but I think the beauty about love packs is that because we're community oriented rather than focusing on the whole and whether or not it's getting better as a whole, we tend to focus on the fact that, um, we've made it better for these individuals in our immediate community for this moment. So what comes in the future will come. But for this Christmas, we know that these 800 students took home 19 days worth of food. Mm -hmm. You know, for this particular, you know, three day weekend, we know that this number of students took home Mm -hmm. these meals and that they're covered for for that three day weekend. And then next month we will get the new numbers and we will regroup to do to do that, you know, the following month. And so. um, So, yes, I don't. I don't know about better, um, but it's better right now for that child. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that that's a really uh, positive way to look at it because I think I mentioned earlier, it, it is so easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of need. Um, and going back to that question, will the poor always be with us and reading that scripture? I, I think that that's one of the things that's like when you're looking at the statistics and I hate even, I hated even asking that question, but I'm glad that you brought up the individual because, um, people are not numbers mm -hmm. and it is important to look at the individual and say, you know, yeah, on a grand scale, we've got work to do, but, uh, for this child, things are better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that that's something for each of us to keep in mind and to keep us going and to encourage us and that, you know, this work is making a positive impact on individual lives. I, I did want to ask about, um, and, and Alex, maybe you could explain mm -hmm. a little bit, so I know that y'all operate anonymously mm. with these families. And I'd love to hear more about that because uh, usually with organizations like this, it's all about testimonies and showing pictures of mm. children and, and trying to uh, inspire people with mm. these stories. But y'all don't even know the names of the people that you're serving. And I'd love to hear more yeah. about why y'all choose to do that. Well, that goes back to a little bit with the statistics. One of the things I just wanted to say is like the statistics that we see, um, I'm not even sure that the children that we're feeding will even be the kids that are part of those statistical mm. numbers because it could well be it's been a temporary situation for them. Um, and so that means for their parents... Um, if you look at their income level, et cetera, which are the measures for various organizations around us, it might well be that they don't fit into being needy. But in this actual moment, there's a teacher that has seen, I have a child in my class that isn't thriving and they get to the back of that with the, themselves, uh, with the, the counselor, et cetera. So um, Obviously, the teachers themselves, they know their children. And so there's, um, they, um, they will be the ones that will most likely distribute the food into the backpacks. Um, but as far as we're concerned, we just need, we literally have um, a Google Sheet that goes out to all of our counsellors um, prior to a holiday. And the counsellors will tell us, this is how many children our school needs boxes or bags for. Um, and we, that's it. We don't need to know anything about the parental background. We don't need to know the child's name. Uh, we just know that this school needs 10 boxes, one box. Some need, I think our biggest campus, 135 just from us. Mm. Um, and, and we share that with the other, um, the other LISD group. Um, so we know that that's the number of children. And we don't know if that's the same children. If there's 10 from one particular campus, are they the same 10 this holiday as they were previous holiday? It's literally the teachers and the counselors are identifying their children in need. They tell us, and then we just make sure that they have the right number of boxes. Now, the interesting thing I think that's coming up right now is um, in the previous couple of years, um, there has been a program to make sure that all children have free meals, uh, school meals, and LISD have been stepping mm -hmm. up to that. And the wonderful thing about that is um, there's nobody being identified as 
um, you know, in need, especially if they're in the kind of bubble of Flowerman and Highland Village. Everybody can have a free meal. The difficulty that the councillors have is then they're not seeing those applications and the eligibility level. And so unless the teacher is also seeing some issues for a particular child, they might not be able to identify which families are needing their support. But actually, one of the amazing things that happened just towards the end of the school year was one of our schools reached out to us and said, we've identified a family who we didn't realize, but they're in need. It wasn't an upcoming holiday, but the school wanted to be able to help that family and so they reached out to us and we were we didn't know who the family was we knew vaguely how many children there were but they reached out to us and we were able to just give them a box irrespective of the fact that it wasn't a holiday but it was just I think it's difficult for counsellors right now although it's wonderful that everybody's been fed in the past Mm -hmm. couple of years it's been difficult for counsellors sometimes and teachers to identify who's going to need this going forward. And is that how the majority of um, kids are? Is it counselors and teachers who are asking questions or are there also parents that are going to the teachers and counselors and saying, I need help? It's a combination. So whenever we take on a new school, what we view, or we have a new counselor come in to an existing school, we usually tell them that a lot of um, times a school will start with their free and reduced lunch list to see who, who needs assistance. And not everybody who's on that list necessarily needs assistance. So for some families, their child getting that assistance through nine months out of the year is sufficient and they can cover a three-day weekend or a longer break. And then in some of those cases, they can cover a three-day weekend, but then Thanksgiving, Christmas, and spring break rolls around. Those are nine-day, you know, spring break and Thanksgiving are nine-day holidays. Christmas is an 18-day holiday. And all of a sudden, families that were okay for a three-day weekend are not doing as well, and they need a little extra help. And and so, um, and so they're able to kind of bring families in and out as needed, which is why we send the form out each month to be able to adapt to those kinds of changes. Um, so that that's a good jumping off point. But we're always mindful to tell our schools that they don't have to be on that list. There's a whole host of reasons why a family may not be on that list. Um but they still need assistance. It could be the family is not yet willing to admit that they need assistance. Um, and and so we're mindful of that, you know, um, fam- a family's desire to have dignity and, um, you know, and feel like they're being respected and treated um, as human beings uh, rather than judged um, or stigmatized, which I know that sometimes families who are receiving assistance might feel that way. Um, so there's certainly that aspect. Sometimes, like we were talking about earlier, the, the need is chronic. And so they fill out the paperwork at the beginning of the year, they're added to the program, and they're on it for the full year. And they're constantly in that need. But sometimes, like I said, it could be more of an acute case where something just went haywire and normally the family's okay but now they need assistance for one month two months and processing the paperwork for assistance um, uh, through federally funded programs can take some time Um, and so uh, with love packs because we don't have income guidelines the counselor can just add them to the list and then they're covered for that holiday so 
so yeah, so we we have a we have a variety of you know ways. So I I do know that sometimes it's the family that's called to ask. I know that um, some counselors you know will reach out to their families to make sure that they want the assistance. Um, you know, I I know that we have some counselors who know the child needs assistance, and for whatever reason, the caregivers are just not capable of coming up and getting the food for their students. And so we always try to deliver the food early enough that they can open up the boxes or the bag and send home a little in the backpack each day Mm -hmm. with the student, um, you know, to try and and help get it home if the caregivers are not in a position where they're capable of assisting with that. Um, But that's a lot to ask of our counselors and our teachers. So, I mean, we, we, we do it anonymously and we do feel like that's the best for our program, but we also recognize that we're putting an additional load on our counselors and teachers by asking them to serve their students in that way. And so we're always very thankful and appreciative of our school staff because we know that they are staying late and going above and beyond Mm -hmm. because they care about their students and wanting to make sure that their students are able to take that food home for the holiday. Well, and that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. I do see the benefit in um, doing this anonymously. And it, it really is, there's something beautiful of like, you give me a number, no questions asked. That's what we're providing. Um, And I feel like there's so many skeptics who'd be like, well, aren't you worried about people taking advantage of the system? Aren't you, you know, that, that sort of mentality that we have. Um, so I see for the families and, and even for the schools to just be able to say, this is what we need. And you're like, okay, we got it. Um, but on your end of things, are there any difficulties that arise out of doing the work anonymously? Is it tough to prepare? Is it, are, what are some of the problems that come up with that? Well, I literally was like, so we now have a pantry and it's amazing. We moved out of Hillary's home and into an <laughs> oh, actual Oh, we're not pan- in your dining room <laughs> <No>. anymore. <laughs> and um, I remember like, so that's been um, fun, just kind of um, maneuvering things and working out the best way. And I remember I was moving some boxes of vegetables um, and, and I was thinking exactly that, you know, um, I'm aware of the fact that sometimes from privilege, we can be almost like do-gooders. We want to feel good in ourselves. And so we're giving things and we can overwhelm the needy in some respects that they're suddenly getting all these gifts um, from on high bequeathed to them. And and it's more, and I was thinking, oh, are we just, is it, what, what are we doing here? And it was literally that week we heard from, again, I think it was from the LISD East. They had a couple of students who are in a Bible study and they shared, um, there's a beautiful video actually on the Love Packs um, website. They shared how um, they started receiving a Love Packs box. And when they originally initially received the box, their counsellor had asked them, they were in middle school, their counsellor asked them to come down and pick up a box. And they admitted that they just thought it was going to be something unexciting like school supplies or something like that. And they got home and they have a single father at the time. And he was only able, for whatever reason, whether it be money or time or whatever the situation was, he was basically feeding them rice and beans. And um, they came home with their um, holiday box, one of the nine day boxes, and they opened it up and, and it had variety that they hadn't seen for such a long time in their own home. And these girls are now, they are serving um, love packs because mm-hmm. they 
have received the the difference. And so it might well be that, you know, um, that other people will be taking advantage of that. And that's unfortunate. And hopefully that's not a long term situation. And often one would hope as well that the schools and the counsellors, they know who their families really are. Again, it goes back to that one child, and and we love the story. And we probably Hillary doesn't want me to say this, although I think we do need more sweet corn right now. So I'll say it again. Um, what the kid? She just basically said she loves sweet corn so much that she was actually taking her own can of sweet corn and and hiding it from her siblings oh. and eating it in her bedroom. And when we had that video run first, we had quite a lot, we of, had a lot sweet of sweet corn, corn donation. But we could do more corn. Um, so um, yeah. So then you suddenly think, okay, again, we've. Made made a difference to mm. two girls lives in in recent history and so then it puts it back to being worthwhile again really yeah just uh to have a favorite food that you get excited <laughs> about of like it it does it makes such a huge difference yeah um and, you know and we hear similar stories I had a, a volunteer reach out to me she was a substitute teacher a couple of years ago and she was there in a classroom the day that um the love packs were delivered the weekend bags uh, for an upcoming holiday and she emailed and she said that one of the boys the little boys in the class got the bag and he immediately opened it up and dug through the bag was clearly looking for something and um we have since switched to sending home full boxes of mac and cheese but at the time we were sending home mac and cheese cups Ugh. and apparently he dug through the bag and he found his mac and cheese cup and he held it up and he said, yes, it's my mac and cheese for the month. And it's the only time he would get mac and cheese. And it was such a treat for him. And when you think about how many kids love mac and cheese, oh and my gosh, for my how many niece and nephew would eat it for breakfast, lunch yes. and dinner. It's, yes. And for so many kids, it's, it's a staple and they, they eat it routinely. My kids view it as a treat, but that's because my daughter has all sorts of food allergies and so we have to buy a very special mac and cheese and it's really expensive. So we, we don't eat it very often. But um, but yeah, so I mean, but for him, it was it was such a treat to have that mac and cheese and he would only get it when it came in the Love Packs bags. And so, um, I mean, yes, I think there is an opportunity for somebody to take advantage of the system, but I can't I'm not bothered by that. I'm That's not I was called to send the food home with the students. And that's what I do. And so if somebody chooses to take advantage of that, um, that's not what I'm asked to worry about. Um, and to me, it's worth it to make sure that the ones who do need it get it. Yeah. So I love that y'all do, even though this is an anonymous uh, mission that you're doing, uh, that you do get to hear those stories of joy that come from the kids that you serve, because I think that those are the kinds of things that just keep you going and going and going. Uh, and just when you need it, you get another story mm -hmm. of the positive impact that, that you're making in the community. Um, I do want to ask, do you believe that it is possible to eradicate hunger in this community? Is it something we can do? So Alex and I were talking about this earlier this week. And in a grand global scheme, I guess the answer is no. And that comes from the fact that we live in a fallen, sinful world. And so I recognize that things will be broken until Jesus chooses to return. And that's just, you know, where we where we are. We can't we can't live in a perfect world when there's still sin in the world. Um, and so that stinks. Um, but I don't, 
I don't see it as a reason to not do what we can um, for those who are around us. I mean, we, we do have families that are offered love packs where we know the counselors have said the family has declined the love packs. They know that the students need it, but the family declines it um, for whatever reason. Um, sometimes it's, you know, a matter of you know, like my mom had said that her father would have declined an offer of love packs because there were so many things he could not provide for his family, but he did make sure there was food on the table every single meal. And by taking something like love packs, it would have made him feel like he no longer could do that um, part of it. And so, you know, so there, there's all of these different things at play and we, we send home for, you know, three day weekends, longer holidays, but it doesn't solve problems of families who are living where there's no access or no easy access to, you know, nutritious food. And, you know, like you were saying about the food deserts. Um, I mean, there's just so many variables at play. I, I do think we can't ever get rid of it, but I also don't think that it doesn't mean we shouldn't do what we can and help those that we can. And for those that we can help, it's very meaningful. And we, we sometimes hear fun stories like what Alex was saying, but we don't always know. I mean, when, when you look at childhood hunger, um, and the, the effects it has on, you know, behavior and health and all of those kinds of things, it's, it's hard to know what, what is the damage of a child going hungry now going to be when that, you know, child is, is 20. Um, you know, what is the impact of getting food for a holiday, you know, um, for that child when that child is 20? It's, it's, we don't always know that, but I don't, I don't have to know what the outcome mm-hmm. is in order to know that I have a kid here who's hungry and I have an ability to solve it. And it does feel funny to say that I don't think we can get rid of the problem when we live in one of the richest countries in the world yeah. and there's food being chunked every day. It doesn't seem right. That's, it seems yeah, like it, it ought really to be a does. solvable problem. But and I that, think mm-hmm. I think uh, rather I think if I I think if I spent too much time on that, it would spiral and then in the end result it still comes back to the fact we live in a broken world. And so um I mean and even the people who are doing their best to help others, we are broken and we are filled with greed and we are filled with gluttony and we, you know, over consume and, you know, all of, all of these things it, it is difficult when we think about, um, the area of abundance that we live in hunger shouldn't exist here. Yeah. It shouldn't exist here. And, um, so, I, I Alex, do you have a similar opinion or Yeah, a- I, I'm it it comes down very much and it almost even goes back to that original quote with Jesus because I feel like he is saying this is the matter in hand mm-hmm. and right now the matter in hand for us is we have the ability, we have the support to feed the children that are hungry right now. My hope is that maybe one of those children will have the have the wherewithal to get themselves through education. They know the the situation and and, and they they can um, teach or lead from a place of knowledge, mm-hmm. um, almost like Hillary's mom in some respect. That you know, coming on to the next generation and and making a difference and sharing their story and how 
they've been helped mm-hmm. um, and how we can help. And so right now we're, we're feeding those kids because we know they need it. Um, it might not even, as we've said earlier, be the same child. They they might be step. They they might have moved forward for one reason or another, but there's someone else coming through that still needs that help. Um, and so hopefully for individual situations, there might be improvement, but there, unfortunately, we, we do see yeah. um, continual need uh, statistically. Or Well, so. and I, I love that you brought up, you know, the scripture that we started with again, because, you know, the more that I think about it and the more that I hear y'all speak, maybe one of the messages that... Um, Jesus, obviously, when he was saying that to us or to to uh, the people that he was speaking to, he knew that he was on death's door. He knew that right around the corner, you know, I will not be here anymore. And maybe the message is uh, be present. Mm -hmm. See what's going on around you. Look up from what you're doing and see where there is need right in front of you. And yes, the poor will always be with you. But what's happening right here, right now in front of you that you can make a difference? And um, I, I think that that's what you're doing. And of course, there are so many systemic changes that we need to make as a society uh, that will that could eradicate hunger. It could if we were all willing to step up to the best version of ourselves <laughs> to do it, which there that is a big question of, is that possible? Is it possible for all of us to step up uh, to that? But um, in the meantime, I think that these works of mercy are so deeply needed. And so thank you for the work that you do in our community uh, with love packs and, and, I just wanted to hear from you. Are there um, any parting stories or, or parting words that, that you want to share about the work here? Well, Alex shared the one about the corn, and, and I really do encourage people. It's a sweet video, and the girls, I mean, uh, they're, they're, these are teenage girls, and they were I'll, willing I'll to be I'll link to the video on the podcast description. Yeah, they were willing yeah. to do a video so uh, and, and step up and share their story on video. So uh, so proud of those girls that they were willing to do that, because not, not all teenagers mm. would be willing to do that. And um, But yeah, so we, we've shared a few stories. But I think I think another one that we share, um, my husband actually ran into, um, he was shopping and he was wearing his Love Packs shirt and the cashier um, noted that. And she shared her story where she had um, several boys at home, single mom, and things had been like for a lot of people, paycheck to paycheck. This was prior to the pandemic. Um, and right as Christmas was coming up, she was laid off. And there were no um, savings or residual sources to try to cover that gap. And so she was looking at uh, the choice of feeding her kids or paying rent. And um, people may not realize, but if you cannot pay your rent and you're evicted, um, or if you have to break the lease um, because you can't pay your rent, it goes on a record and then it makes it very challenging for you to get future housing. So it becomes a problem for housing in the future. Even once you've gotten your feet back under you with a job, it would have meant um, trying to find some kind of alternative housing or perhaps living in a car. Um, if you don't have any place to 
live, then where do your belongings go? Do you have to put them in a storage unit that you have to pay rent on while you're trying to figure out? I mean, so it's like this whole losing housing just kind of snowballs um, into this whole host of additional problems for a family. So it's really important to try and keep our families in their housing. Um, and so uh, she hadn't even had a chance to really notify the school about the problems, but somehow the school learned about it. And without her knowing, her boys came home with love packs for Christmas that year. And so, so the parents didn't even know that uh, the school just did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, That's I, amazing. so I'm not sure. Sh- yeah. We, we, she didn't really, I mean, she was, it was a cashier, so she didn't have a whole lot of time to yeah. share the details, <laughs> but, but her boys came home with love packs for, for that, for that Christmas holiday. And they were able to eat from those, uh, from the love packs boxes for the Christmas holiday. And it was the difference between her choosing between food and housing mm-hmm. for her, her boys. And so uh, while she hunted for a new job, she got a new job. Everything got back to normal, and then she didn't. She didn't need love packs after that, but um, it it made a, a huge difference for her family and the trajectory that they were on. Um, and so we do hear stories like that. Another one that we like, uh, we just got this spring from Tech West. So for people who aren't aware, um, LISD has done a great job of investing in technical um, classes uh, and facilities for our high school students. And they've come up with all sorts of amazing courses um, that um, students can take so that they're prepared to go out on the job market when they graduate from high school. It's um, really amazing. And they have a hospitality and culinary program at Tech West here in Louisville. And they um, and their instructors are really good because they actually won a competition that was put on by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think it was, wasn't Buffalo Wings, like like some kind of wings competition, yes, I think yes, it was. That's yes, that's right. Then, um, recipe so was, yeah. they competed with all of these other culinary programs from basically across the state, and and they won. And so they received uh, an award um, from that winning, and it included uh, a gift card to Kroger. Uh, and so... Oh. Oh, Albertson. Sorry. Sorry. Albertson's. And so the instructors asked the students what they wanted to do with the gift card. And the students said that they wanted to give it back to the community. And they picked Love Packs as the community organization they wanted to donate to. And we were able to go to the presentation ceremony and learned that several of the students had received Love Packs oh, as wow. students young when they were younger. And that for them, it made the difference between being able to focus and stay on task and that several of them said that without those love packs boxes they're not sure that they would have stayed in school and here they are about to graduate from a great program and they're prepared to go out on the job market um and in a food related and apparently you know apparently really good at making yeah. their food too so um you know so so we have those kinds of stories, and, and they're, they're great stories to hear. Like I said, it's, it's hard to know if at one point in time a child does not receive enough to eat. What does that do? And, and clearly there's plenty of children who don't receive enough to eat who are still able to go on to live mm-hmm. productive lives. And so it, it's not a... Um, it's not a guaranteed change to somebody's trajectory, but I, I think we have enough stories to show that it is really it is really meaningful to them. Okay. A lot of people might be listening to this whole thing and they've been nodding the whole time and they're like, okay, what can I do? 
what can I do? And so here's what you can do. Uh, throughout the month of August, we are collecting boxes and uh, we are collecting items for boxes. We're going to box them up. We're going to partner with Love Packs and it is going to help y'all prepare for three-day weekends coming up in the school year as the school year begins. Um, and we're going to have an ongo ongoing partnership with Love Packs, hoping, hoping to uh, be doing this with y'all two or three times a year moving forward. So we're really excited about that. And so I just want to invite y'all go to tmumc.org slash love packs. And that is L O V E P A C S uh, to see exactly what we're collecting at this location. But Hey, I know that we have a lot of listeners who don't attend this church, don't live in this area. So in the episode description, I'm also going to um, include a link to the love packs, Louisville website so that you can choose to make a donation um, or serve in, in whatever way you can, because I'm telling y'all, this is a, oh man, a worthy cause, worthy effort uh, for you to be giving to. So I just want to thank y'all so much for, for coming on today. And I'm really looking forward to this ongoing partnership with y'all. And um, man, we've got work to do, don't we? <laughs> thank you. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. And I would also just say for your listeners, if you don't live somewhere that has a Love Packs chapter, find your local food bank because they all need help right now. I promise. It's been um, it's been a really long couple of years since COVID hit and with supply chain disruptions and various things like that. And it's changed what was easy and what was hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that all the food banks right now are, are having to kind of, you know, adjust to a new way of doing things and they always need help. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.